Yes, indeed. We are looking for a revolution, a health revolution, and we're going to make it happen one conversation at a time right here on an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, today on this very rainy day in the Pacific Northwest. If you're out there driving around, I hope you're staying safe and can go home and and get nice and cozy. Um, you know, this is the time of year where we are pushed indoors, but there's no need to fear that indoors is an unsafe space. Just make sure you've got proper humidity in your indoor environment and some good air exchange, um, some good essential oils, um, and you can stay safe and cozy with your loved ones. There's all sorts of information out there for you to discover. Um, We've uh, got a great guest that will be joining us here in a little bit, Dr. Uh, Michael Gaeta. I'm very excited about bringing him in on this conversation. But first, I want to uh, talk to you all about um, some news here. So first of all, I want to make an announcement that next Saturday, October 24th, Fourth at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time, there is going to be an online um, event, a fundraising event for a fantastic organization called Sound Choice. This is a pharmaceutical company, but one with a soul that has a mission of doing no harm in the production of their products and creating um, just an ethical world. Um, and one of their main missions is to end the use of fetal um, cell lines. So um, uh, it's a great uh, organization to support. And they're going to have spe speakers like Dr. Teresa Deicher, who is the the owner and founder and inspiration of Sound Choice, Father Michael Copenhagen, uh, Pastor Aaron Lewis, Dr. James Neuschwander, um, otherwise known as Dr. New, and uh, a couple of big guest celebrities, Adele Bigtree of The High Wire and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will be joining in on this online event. Um, and what's really cool is they're going to have raffle drawings. So the three big prizes are 15-minute private phone calls you could win a phone call with Dr. Deicher, who um, is in the history books. She discovered uh, one of the adult stem cells. It's, she's an amazing, brilliant, warm-hearted woman. Uh, it would be great to have a conversation with her. Somebody else will win 15 minutes with Del Big Tree. You can ask him everything you ever wanted to ask this amazing uh, warrior in our movement or 15 minutes with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So that would be an historical moment. Uh, and so extra tickets, just five bucks a pop donation can win you um, chances uh, to spend some time with these amazing people. So in order to register for this event, go to soundchoice.org uh, um, or you can find a link through informedchoicewa.org as well. So I encourage you to look into that. You know, we need to support science with the soul, support science we believe in um, from the grassroots level. I think just that is so important. Uh, then I wanted to catch you all up too on the news about our petition. So Informed Choice Washington filed a petition um, and 645 people signed it and, and many others added their names afterwards. This was a petition asking the Board of Health 
and the Secretary of Health to convene a committee of knowledgeable practitioners in order um, for them to exchange their effective treatment protocols that they have developed. These range from nutrients only, nutrients plus oxidative therapies, or nutrients um, plus existing drugs, in effect, um, effective and non-patentable drugs. And so we wanted them to convene this committee to let people know treatments exist. You can have hope. And once people understand you don't need to live in fear and these treatments would become disseminated and the public known about them and make sure all the practitioners know about them, we can end this and just begin to move forward. So on October 13th, the Board of Health was formally presented with this. And unfortunately, um, they declined our petition. So they didn't really have a discussion. Five of the 10 board members voiced their opinions and the vote was taken. The chair of the board did indicate that, you know, he wrestled with it for a while. He thought it was something very important, but he didn't see in the RCWs the duty to do this. The secretary of health said he did support the idea of such a committee, and he absolutely believes that something like that has to happen, but it wasn't in his wheelhouse or that of the board of health or the department of health. So, um, Eric, if you could play for us, please, that little clip of the Secretary of Health. So I certainly support the spirit of this and that groups need to come together and take a look um, at what the potential treatment options are and what providers are doing and sharing uh, their their findings. Uh, but for me, the, the right sort of forum are the ones that I mentioned and, and not us. Um, Certainly, we have our hands full just trying to do the work that uh, is truly within our wheelhouse, uh, most, you know, highest priority, and we're struggling just to get that work done. So taking this on, for me, just is not something that I feel like we have the resources to do, um, or, as I said, the expertise, and that it really best lies um, with the other entities that I mentioned. So I would not sort of be in favor of our uh, forming um, a technical advisory committee to do this for those reasons and that uh, we have other workload as well that um, is pressing and that is also being uh, delayed. Again, no way diminishes the need to do this for entities to do this. Um, I, I absolutely believe that that's something that has to happen. Yeah, so we we agree it's something that absolutely has to happen. We feel it should have happened in March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Where are we? October now. Um, Secretary Wiesman says it should be done at the federal level, but nothing is happening at the federal level in, in regards to what we want. Um, and all of the money and time and efforts that the Department of Health is, is right now tasked with, everything that they're doing, they're only having to do because the, it has not been spread widely, broadly, deeply that treatments exist, that nutrient protocols are enough for the vast majority of people to stay well to recover easily. And there are um, drug and nutrient interventions that if they're brought on board early, 
there are published case studies there um the information is out there and it it could put an end to this so it's so frustrating it's even in the rcw i i we wholeheartedly disagree that it's not in the wheelhouse of the department of health of the secretary of health because the rcw you know the law in washington state that defines what the secretary is supposed to do clearly states that it is the secretary's duty to examine the data available to him, and he has all the data available uh, regarding health in Washington state, um, in order to um, perform evaluation of outcomes of healthcare interventions to assess their benefit to the people of the state. So I, it's just mind boggling that he's allowed to issue mask orders and mask everybody up in the state, which this is an experimental medical intervention, why they're allowed to do that, to lock people down, businesses are going bankrupt, people are becoming depressed. They can do all of this, but they can't convene a committee and provide hope and treatments. It's, it's, I just don't, um, I just don't understand that mindset that just to wait for a vaccine, it seems, and a, and a safe vaccine is not coming. Um, I, you know, it's, I wish I could say it, it really was uh, a safe and effective vaccine would be out there as an option. I'm for medical freedom, even though I would not choose it myself. But uh, the science is not there. If you childrenshealthdefense.org and formchoicewa.org, you just have to search the information coming out of the clinical trials and the history of development of a coronavirus vaccine for 20 years has been plagued with problems. This is just not a virus that lends itself well to the vaccine as the tool. 99.9% of individuals have uh, a full recovery to this. They develop antibodies fine and T cells and everything else they need. And all the studies are actually showing that many people, um, maybe even greater than 50% already have existing immunity from past exposure to other viruses. See, that's the beauty of natural immunity is that it's very intelligent. You get colds as a child. When you're an adult, you get fewer because your immune system has figured it out. You get some cross protection. You know, it's just beautiful. The, um, so anyway, that's our update. I think we did a lot of good though. We really uh, empowered our base. We grew by the numbers from doing this petition. It helped us really understand where the public health is what they feel they can do, what they don't do. And it's time for change. It's definitely time for a revolution to, to move to a new paradigm, a paradigm that embraces all aspects of health and health protection. And that's something that as soon as our guest gets here, he's on his way, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be able to move on, on to that. Uh, we're talking about medical freedom today and the fact that medical freedom is on the ballot. So the ballots in Washington state went out and they should be arriving in our mailboxes. And there, there's never been a time where medical freedom has been more at stake. Right now, we're all sort of being held hostage by fear and some fear campaign, campaigns regarding COVID. 
And you can see people's stances who are running for office. So I really encourage you to look carefully at the candidates to see what their medical freedom stance may be. In fact, I want to read to you, I'm going to pull up here. Oh, shoot, I don't think I printed it. Out. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to go get that from somewhere. Um, I intended to have it on my printout, but I don't have it there. I'm going to have to get it. But I have the, the party platforms in Washington State, the two major parties, I have quotes from each of their platforms that I want to read to you because it really shows the difference between between the two parties. Um, the Department of Health yesterday met uh, the Vaccine Advisory Committee and I don't, very few people have attended these meetings and very few people in the state even know they exist. So it's an inner it's a committee within the Department of Health, and they they meet regularly to s discuss vaccines. And it sounds like from the name that they would be looking carefully at risks and benefits and usage. But mostly what they do, if you're sitting in on the meetings, mostly it feels like a marketing, a purchasing and marketing meeting. And I've been attending these things for a couple of years now. And sometimes I'm the only one from the public watching, except for the half dozen pharmaceutical reps sitting there who know the people on this committee well. You know, it's sort of this cozy um, atmosphere. The conflict of interest is just insane. It, it's so ripe. Um, and they were, they were, t they were t talking about uh, the fact that they were setting up, if you go to our website, it's, it's just, I've got a, a post up there now that talks about what they're doing for gearing up for the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. They're getting everything ready to acquire, store, distribute, um, allocate, and most of all, marketing and promotion. They are spending a lot of money and purchasing ads to get people to feel confident in deciding to get the vaccine. So it is to me so bizarre how they can be talking about wanting to build confidence in a product that has not yet been through phase three trials. We, we don't know if they're safe and effective and they're already working to um, put messaging out there to say, don't worry, they're safe and effective. Don't worry. It, you know, it just really to me spotlights so much of what's wrong with this that it, you know, um, you cannot tell somebody a product is safe and you will not be able to tell them in November it's safe or December or even November, December next year. It takes more than three months, four months, or even one year to know if a product is safe. So, you know, you got to give people fully informed consent. They got to know what they're getting into. And uh, so, you know, that said, I'm going to be bringing on our wonderful guest because I see he has arrived. I'm so happy. Um, so we have with us today, Dr. Michael Gaeta, who says his purpose is to co-create a world of resilient, vital people who choose a lifestyle of nature first, 
drugs last. Dr. Gaeta is a dietitian, nutritionist, herbalist, and acupuncturist with 30 years of clinical experience practicing Chinese and functional medicine. Michael has trained more than 17,000 natural health professionals over the last 27 years, and he's also an accomplished pianist. Awesome to hear. You'll have to play for us sometime. Um, I see. Yeah, I see it back there. (laughs) Virtual consultations and more can be found at michaelgata.com. And Gata is spelled G-A-E-T-A.com. Welcome. Thanks, Bernadette. I apologize for some technical issues on this end, but uh, great to be with you today. Yeah, thank you for coming. It's so funny. Uh, I'm, I'm relatively new to radio. And so when one little thing goes wrong, all of a sudden, I've got a lot of us in my <laughs> in my speech. It's like, I'll get used to this. And I'm thinking, We're how am I going to fill an hour without the good doctor to talk to? But Bernadette likes to talk. So usually I can just keep rambling. Um, so anyway, I welcome so what what we have here going on and it's not just washington state so what state are you in colorado you're in colorado so you've got an the election have your ballots gone out yet are you mm-hmm. in that position as Just well mine a couple of days ago yeah yeah and you know um informed choice washington is a c3 and a c4 so we can we can talk about um educate people about voting and about the um, stances of individuals. We cannot support or oppose any. Um, so today's conversation will be informational. So people understand, you know, the stances of, of the parties. I, I, I need to find, um, what I want to do. I'm going to do that. I guess I'm just going to have to let it go unless somebody calls in. Hey, if I got some listeners calling in, um, Eric, what's the call-in number? 425-373-5527. Oh, I love your voice. Could you repeat that one more time, please? Sure, you caught me a little off guard there, but... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. Sorry, it, it took a second. Uh, 425-373-5527 is the number to call in. Awesome. Thank you. So somebody heard that and um, they have seen that post. It's a Facebook post that has the Republican Party platform statement about vaccines and the Democrat Party platform statement about vaccines. Could you call in and read those to us? Because uh, I don't have it right here in front of me and I'm not sure I can access this, although I'll try to access it as we're as we're going along here. Um, sorry, I just, I just went blank. That's what happens when I do this. So when you, when you make a decision, can, from your point of view, what happens when you have a controlling party in office regarding medical freedom? What has been your experience? How does that impact yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good question, uh, Bernadette. And yeah, uh, we we have seen, you know, in the you know battles I've been involved with in my original home state of New York, uh, where I lived my first forty years of life, and now here in Colorado for the past eleven years, uh, and being you know active in both states in terms of promoting informed consent. Um, there, yeah, I would I would say easily you know, 98%, at least 95% of uh, the uh, 
elected officials who favor vaccine mandates and the elimination of informed consent and parental rights uh, are Democrat. And I don't have any party affiliation myself. I consider myself a moderate, independent, uh, and uh, I, 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 I really like what uh, President Dwight David Eisenhower said. He said, what, what America needs is the best of high-minded liberal thinking and the best of high-minded conservative thinking. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think what, what the point you're bringing up is really critical that before folks, you know, cast a vote at the ballot box, find out what that individual candidate's position is mm -hmm. on vaccine choice. Mm -hmm. I don't care what party they're part of. Uh, I don't care, you know, what they consider themselves, you know, politically. You ask them because we have, you know, we had in, in here in Colorado in the last legislative session, they passed a bill to, you know, mandate this, you know, pr uh, state propaganda video like they did in Oregon mm -hmm. uh, that you have to watch before getting your non-medical exemption. And they combined religious and philosophical exemption into one non-medical exemption. So that was a terrible bill. But one of the co-sponsors was a Republican. So we call him a rhino, Republican in name only. Uh, but I think it's important that people ask that question. Now, when you're in, uh, now, Colorado used to be like kind of split down the middle in terms of, you know, left, right, red, blue. Uh, now, you know, we're not quite sure where it lands this year. Uh, but I think the, the most important thing to answer your question, Bernadette, is for folks who know the importance of informed consent, and I have a little you know, presentation on that if you want me to go through it uh, on that topic today, um, that they actively uh, challenge their legislators, or at least let the legislators know they're, they're a constituent, this is important to them, this is how they want them to go. You know, they, whether they're a current elected official Hey, this vaccine healthcare choice is important to me. I expect you to take a stand for choice and against mandates or forced vaccination. And then, uh, you know, be active. And, you know, there's always, there's an activist group like you are in this wonderful, you know, Informed Choice Washington, which is great. Uh, we have Colorado Health Choice Alliance here in Colorado. There's always an organization. Don't feel like you have, you're isolated, like, oh, what do I do? Uh, just get involved, support your organization. And, you know, these are all volunteer organizations. And so, you know, we're all, you know, I was on the board of this organization uh, for a short time. And, um, you know, these are all volunteer organizations uh, and, and we need to actively support them financially, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you do, recurring monthly donations and volunteer. Like, what can I do? Because there are folks who know what needs to be done and just need people to go and do it. So I think those, you know, the, uh, those simple steps of letting your, your elected officials know that you are their constituent, this is what's important to you, and to find out, you know, if you're going to, before you vote for somebody, what is their choice? Are they pro-choice or pro-forced vaccination? Mm -hmm. And then get involved in your state organization. It, yeah, that's such excellent advice. And it seems to me another avenue um, to get involved in is within the political party within your own state. Yes. To help shape that party That's into right. what you want it to be because it seems like we've got sort of the extreme voices are running the parties at this yes. stage of the game well, yeah. and yeah and i like i don't understand you know like the how 
the stances don't seem to make sense, really. It seems right. like both parties have ideals that match medical freedom very strongly, yep. right? And yet only right. one um, yep. vocalizes it. So I, I did well, actually find um, in Washington state the quotes I wanted here. So we have in Washington state, the Democrat um, party platform says that they support, quote, ensuring community safety by removing personal belief exemptions for mandatory vaccinations in public and private schools. There you go. So there they go. And they have, they have said in this state, um, in interviews and in TV interviews and everything that they not only want to get rid of all personal exemptions, but they really want to tighten or get rid of religious exemptions as well. Yes, and they sure. want to tighten medical exemptions. They want to move the way California has gone, yeah. sadly. And then the Republican Party platform for 2020 says this, quote, in light of the recent COVID-19 pandemic, an ensuing debate concerning future vaccinations, we strongly oppose mandatory vaccination policies. Awesome. Boom, right? Boom. Um, yeah, and so if, if you are somebody that agrees with that statement, but in other areas, you know, you're more aligned with the other party, yeah. I encourage you to go help reshape your party because- yeah, for sure. You know, there are people like I know a lot of people with vaccine injured children and they have to vote on the side of of um, those who will put in policies that won't harm children down the road because For they sure. feel like this is now their personal mission in life, yeah. you know, it is. Um, and so there you go. That's in, in that's Washington state. Point. Well, that's great. Brenda. Thank you for I, I didn't know that. I didn't know they like had put it out. So here's the thing. I live in Boulder, like super, you know, progressive kind of town. And, and, and my, I have so many friends who have gone through a dark night of the soul, hmm. long-term decades, staunch Democrats, full on, you know, devoted Democrats who have gone, have had a crisis, a personal moral crisis in themselves feeling completely betrayed by their party, no longer supporting their party and finding themselves in the place they never thought was even possible, which was to support the uh, Republican party. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's a crazy thing. And there's a reason for this. The democratic party traditionally was the party of um, the liberals or they call themselves progressives now, which is fine. Um, and, Liberals, who you know, I I have a, a lot of kinship with in certain ways, um, and now they call them some progressives. They they are patriotic. They love America. They believe they they, they defend and promote and are are passionate devotees and advocates of free speech. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, and sure, do I disagree with their big government, big, big tax sort of policies? Yes, but there's so much. And they believe, as I do, as, and, and as many conservatives do, that a person's race is irrelevant. Who cares the color of a person's skin? It's completely irrelevant. Race doesn't mean anything. Uh, as Martin Luther King said, the content of one's character, not the color of one's skin. And, and so that's been the Democrat, that was the Democratic Party for decades. Uh, of of the of the, they were the party of liberals, mm 
Now that has changed. Now you have the Democratic Party, as you pointed out, has been taken over by the extreme left who are not liberals. They have nothing in common with liberals. Uh, they believe in the complete loss of personal autonomy and liberty. They believe in total government control of every aspect of your life. They have no regard for personal freedoms, uh, uh, liberties, uh, freedom of choice in anything. And they believe they hate America in general and believe that America through anarchy must be destroyed and rebuilt in the socialist communist image. So the problem is that both liberals and leftists who have nothing in common, this is the problem, people, people, and I just had a conversation with a, a Boulder friend and I was referring to the leftists and he said, he got pissed off. He was like, he, he was, he was offended. He's like, well, I consider myself on the left as like, actually, Mark, you're a liberal. You're not a leftist. And mm -hmm. we talked about it. He's like, do you believe in socialism and total government control and loss of personal autonomy? He's like, no, I don't believe that at all. He said, well, <laughs> you're not a, you're not a leftist. Uh, you are a, a progressive. He's like, yeah, I'm a progressive. And so it was a new idea to him that there was a difference between leftists and liberals, mm -hmm. even though they both identify with the Democratic Party, which makes things really complicated. Mm -hmm. And progressives think of themselves as on the left. And it's really hard for, you know, it, it, it's like a mind shift to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm a progressive, but I'm not a leftist. Mm -hmm. And the leftists, unfortunately, uh, run the Democratic Party now. They've been taken over by the Democratic Party, these socialist, communist type folks who believe in total state control uh, and total state dependence. And, uh, and it's a problem. Because, and, I, and I look, I've seen this, I, I've seen weeping Democrats who are now advocating and promoting Republican candidates mm -hmm. because of this issue of mm -hmm. health care choice. So it's really tricky uh, because uh, the Democratic Party has basically been lost to the extreme far left and uh and it's hard yeah and when when you look at people who have been put in positions in power uh yeah. in in different places within that party and i'm sure others could say the same about you know far right republican sort of um oh, yeah. uh aspects too but you can kind sure. of see the the corporate ties the the overall goals one thing i found really and that we're let's see oh it's 4:34. hold on i'm gonna hold that thought um i'm gonna i'm gonna have us run to a break and then i'm gonna come back and talk to you about some marketing that is a, a little bit scary going on here yeah. so we'll move to a break you've been listening to an informed life radio on 11:50 a.m kknw Did you know that in 1986, Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting liability protection to drug companies for injuries and deaths caused by their vaccine products recommended to children? Did you know injuries and deaths of pregnant women and their unborn children were added to the act in 2016? Did you know that on February 4th, 2020, drug companies who make COVID-19 vaccines were placed under the liability protection of the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, known as the PrEP Act? 
to learn the history of how we got here in order to protect yourself now and in the future. You must see the film, 1986, The Act. Go to 1986theact.com today. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including healthcare choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington State. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best health care decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. Welcome back to 1150 AM KKNW and Informed Life Radio. Um, Bernadette Pager, your host, and with me is Dr. Uh, Gaeta. Um, when you get a chance there, Eric, our awesome engineer, if you could uh, give the doctor some screen sharing capabilities, got some slides he wants to put up for our YouTube watchers here. But first, I wanted to mention something that I, I just discovered this week because I was looking at this marketing company called G. MMB. It's a big global, it's been around for 30 years, marketing agency. And they, they're they an agency with a mission to, uh, and like their theme is something like they want to cause the effect. You know, they want to really change the world, which I guess can be a good thing. But what I found really disturbing was that they do ad work they have over the years done ad work for the Department of Health. Uh, they do. Uh, they did some flu vaccine campaigns. They did some HPV vaccine campaigns, um, among other things. And and then you go look at this agency and you see that all of the companies they've worked for, the individuals they've worked for, they are in charge of like imaging of the head of the World Health Organization. And they actively work um, on campaigns for the Democratic Party 
um, Senator Association, something like that. I need to go look that up. And also the Democratic Party governor campaigns or association and they they boast right on their their page on of their work that they have gotten a lot of democrat governors in office so i just feel like isn't this a, a conflict of interest that our our public health agency using tax and federal dollars pays a, a ad agency for messaging and this agency exclusively supports one political party and the, um, the platform, the things that that party is actively um, supporting. And so it seems like our taxpayer dollars are being used to saturate us in messaging that will align us with the Democrats in a way. You know, I just feel like they're supposed, I thought that there was supposed to be a division here somewhere. And when, when we now have health departments working so hard um, using social media, advertising companies. I mean, everything you see, somebody marketed and planned, we're saturated with the information. Uh, it's just, I, there's so much reform has to happen here, Dr. Michael. Yep. So, but we're going to move forward because you told me here on the break that you've got a great informed consent little presentation. Do you have yeah. screen access there now? Because this is so oh, important. Awesome. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, so this is really important because this is going to come up. Uh, and you mentioned COVID in the beginning there, Bernadette. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, the, the COVID vaccines are all of them are dangerous. Uh, all of them have caused se severe side effects. Many of the trials have been stopped because people have been seriously injured. Uh, this is a new class of vaccines that have never been used before, which are RNA vaccines. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very important that we have our choice. Uh, the president has indicated, quote, not everybody's going to want to get one, uh, but, you know, he's going to be under immense pressure uh, to to do that. And if the, uh, the socialists win the election, uh, which is, you know, uh, Harris and to some extent Biden, who seems mentally not quite all there, um, you know, we're in a problem. Uh, and so it's very important that, you know, uh, we take a stand for choice. I want to give some background on that. And the, the short COVID thing is the epidemic, the pandemic was basically over two months ago. Uh, the death rate is so low in, you know, it's, it's about 670 people per day worldwide, but only six of those truly from COVID. The other 94% could be, maybe not, because uh, so many of these people have uh, other health conditions simultaneously uh, at the time of death. Uh, and so we don't know what the cause of death is for 94% of the folks who are called a quote COVID death um, and only 6% we know were healthy and had no illness and died from COVID. So because of that and the fact that we have effective treatments available like hydroxychloroquine and zinc and natural strategies for those who are open to that, there's no need for a vaccine if you have an effective treatment. And my last bit on COVID and I'll, I'll jump into this presentation is that, um, you know, all, since the, the mortality rate is so low, it's less than the annual flu at this point, or roughly around there, depending on the, the state, um, that 
there, uh, there is there's no need uh, for a vaccine, clearly, because the death rate is so low. And also because what they're stringing us along with, with the COVID situation, is cases. And, and most of the, quote, cases that they're calling are based on testing. And these are asymptomatic people who are not sick. But they're being called a case based on usually IgG testing, immunoglobulin G testing, which means they're immune. So you have people who have past exposure who are immune and not sick are being called a case. And so all the case numbers are inaccurate and inflated. All the mortality numbers are inaccurate and inflated. Uh, and we have effective treatments available. So there's no need for a vaccine in this context. It's not like, you know, like the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, a previous coronavirus uh, outbreak, 33% death rate. That's, that's, an, that's astounding. Now the death rate is so low and dropping uh, and it's inflated, you know, that's just the context of COVID. Let me just talk about uh, informed consent a bit. Uh, and this is about preserving ethics, preserving choice and consent and taking a stand for freedom. So informed consent originally came out of the Nuremberg trials, the Nuremberg doctors trials following World War II, where the Nazi doctors committed unspeakable atrocities to people in the name of science and experimented on them against their will. And so in 1947, the Nuremberg Code was formed. And the main thing was the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential that you can't force a treatment or experiment or anything uh, on a person without their informed consent. And uh, that this is the, the, the first most important principle that you cannot force a medical procedure on a person. They have basic personal sovereignty. This was ensconced even further in the Declaration of Geneva, which was the physician's oath, which came out a year later in 1948 the 10th commitment says, I will not use my medical knowledge to violate human rights and civil liberties, even under threat. And I'm moving through this fairly quickly because I know we have other things to talk about. Um, and then the Declaration of Helsinki came out also in 1948 and was tied then to that Declaration of Geneva. And the fundamental principle was respect for the individual, their right to self-determination and the right to make informed decisions. And this was adopted by the World Medical Association, Declaration of Helsinki, widely regarded as the cornerstone document on human research ethics. So this is baked into medical ethics. This is the most important principle of medical ethics is informed consent. And this is a great quote from Stanford University Encyclopedia of Philosophy on medical ethics. And what it says is, um, when, and, and I, in the highlighted section, when a sufficiently capacitated adult does not give sufficiently informed and voluntary consent to intervention in her per body or per personal sphere, when the intervention is substantial and not trivial, and absent severe jeopardy for third parties, and we'll get to that, the intervention is impermissible. You can't do it when the person doesn't give their fully informed voluntary consent, even when it seeks to assist her even when physicians recommend it, and here's the herd immunity thing, even when third parties would benefit from it, it is impermissible. It is not allowed. Wow. And so, uh, so informed consent, I've been teaching informed consent myself nationally over the last 26 years. 
Um, and so, you know, I'm familiar with this, that, that informed consent needs two things. This is true if we go to the doctor, get a medical procedure, go to your chiropractor, come to somebody like me, an acupuncturist, a nutritionist. You must have an informed consent before the treatment or procedure is done. And first thing is it must be informed. That's the first word is informed. Fully informed about the intended benefits and all possible risks. The second part is consent. Free, uncoerced permission or consent before that treatment or procedure is done, and that can include a vaccine, which is a drug. Now, this goes back to the foundation of America, and, and the intellectual father of the United States was John Locke. And John Locke was the guy that the founding fathers read and took their inspiration from. And so now I'm tying it into the American experiment, which was limited government and personal autonomy. That defines America's basic values. And God we trust, personal liberty, and limited government. This has never been done before in the history of humanity. So Locke said, every man has a property in his own person. This nobody has any right to but himself. He wrote that in 1690. This was total heresy at the time. It was very like new thinking. But this was the guy who, you know, Franklin, Jefferson, Washington, Adams, all these guys, this is who they read. This is who they studied, and his, this, his revolutionary ideas were baked into the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. So here's the U.S. Constitution, 14th Amendment. No state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property, period. And this is baked into the U.S. Constitution, the highest law of the land, which is now being attacked severely by the left. Not by liberals or progressives, but by the left. They're different. And here's the Declaration of Independence, the most you know, revolutionary document. If you sign this thing, you were committing treason against England and, could have, and, and, and were you know, faced certain execution. And they signed this thing. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And this is the thing that Biden messed up. He didn't even understand. He didn't remember it. He said, well, you, <laughs> he forgot. He said, well, you know the thing. <laughs> he, forgot the, he forgot the Declaration of Independence. Like, that's not a good sign. Uh, but he forgets a lot of things including who he is, what, what office he's running for. He just said, I, I'm Joe Biden running for Congress. I'm, I'm running for the Senate. I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't even know he's running for the presidency. He did that twice. Anyway, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator, not by the government, but by a higher authority with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, hello, and the pursuit of happiness. And the securities rights governments are inst instituted deriving their powers from the consent of the government. In other words, the only purpose of government is to secure and maintain and ensconce and defend and preserve people's rights, mm -hmm. which, which the government did not give them. The creator gave them. And these are unalienable rights that the government's only purpose is to secure and preserve those rights. And that's the Declaration of Independence. So we could definitely say that forced vaccination is remarkably un-American. And, and that's why we have to really question the candidates and legislators who are favoring forced vaccination. And why basically, if you care at all about health freedom, because once you lose it, it's like almost impossible to get back, that you must vote Republican if you care about vaccine choice. Now, that's on the basis of this basic idea of do we actually care about personal liberty? And again, you know, I'm going, and again, at the end of the day, there are Democrats who favor choice and there are Republicans who favor mandates. 
So it's, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but on the averages, that's how it's going to go. But you more than important than whose party it is, the party is not as important as does the candidate believe in forced vaccination or vaccine choice? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Even more so than what party they're part of is find out what their stance is on that issue. So I am hopeful that all this is going to be work out, that, that, that liberty will prevail. Uh, and it, how messy it gets is really what's up to us until we get there. So here's Rabbi Heschel, one of the greatest you know, rabbis of all time. He said the major activity of the prophets or anybody who wants to make a difference in the world was interference. Uh, a prophet is a person who's not tolerant of wrongs done to others. So that's just the context for this, that we actually have to make a stand on this. So the last time forced vaccination happened was 100 years ago against small, forced smallpox vaccination. And there were like peaceful protests of thousands of people in the streets saying, you can't do this anymore. And it worked. Forced vaccination to smallpox was repealed because enough people got in the game, took a stand and said, you know what, this isn't cool. You have to stop this because people are getting injured and killed uh, by this program. And as Margaret Mead said, a professor of anthropology at NYU, I think it was NYU, she said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And, uh, and this, you know, this whole like preserving vaccine choice goes back over 100 years. This is the Anti-Vaccination Society of America. Uh, the the the, uh, the forced the mandate the vaccine mandate folks thinks that the anti-vaccine movement started with Andrew Wakefield in the 1980s and 90s. That's that's a lie. It started in 1902. The mm -hmm. Anti-Vaccination Society of America, uh, where you know where the the pure body Mother Nature gave uh, is what they were talking about. Half mad, misguided people. So we've got to get in the game. We've got to take a stand for choice. The the agenda of the left. The agenda now of the Democratic Party, which the left took over from the progressives, the progressives no longer control the Democratic Party, which is really tragic. Now it's the extreme far left uh, is unlimited forced vaccinations and leftist organizations like Facebook, Google, Gates Foundation. Uh, their goal is to force vaccinate the whole you know, uh, population, the whole planetary population yeah. uh, without choice. What I, what I kind of feel like in this election, and again, you know, I can just, where I'm just providing information for people to understand, you know, their, their choice out there is, you know, I kind of feel like we need to vote this election on whichever candidates we feel will keep us the most protected until we can get to the next election. And hopefully we learned enough in this one yeah. by the candidates out there that we need to start working more actively several years in advance yeah. and make sure we've got really good people that we actually love running because right now i hear a lot of people saying they're voting against somebody but yeah. not as many people saying they're voting for somebody right yeah. and and it's going to take all of us getting very active at the local level and really engaging. We, you know, this is a huge wake up call that we have to really know, you know, from the community level, the city level, county to the state level. And I'm, I'm just as bad as anybody up until a couple of years ago, I didn't know the name of any of my reps. No. And now I know them by sight and I see them at the grocery store and, and, you know, we have real conversations and 
that is that is going to get us the sort of government that is not divisive that isn't everybody you know you know for republican and democrat just hating each other and split we have to start really talking but for now I feel like if you don't preserve your bodily integrity, your right to say no to a pharmaceutical intervention, especially with these mRNA vaccines coming down the pike, that they, the clinical trials and even what these companies have admitted in their prospectus about their concerns is, yeah, no, we... <laughs> Uh, yeah. pr protect yourself so that in four years you can make another decision. Yeah. Right. We all just need to yeah. get active and we're just about out of time. Let me see what, what our time is doing here. Yeah. We, we only have about one minute. So mm -hmm. tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find that wonderful presentation on informed consent. Yeah, I have it. Um, so uh, I just sent everybody michaelgated.com. That's the website of the Gate Institute for Holistic Health Education. I've been speaking nationally on vaccine choice for 18 years, and uh, they can go to michaelgated.com. And uh, under trainings, you will see um, a free course called Vaccines and Choice, where that presentation is in there. And uh, it's free. It's, it's called Vaccines and Choice. You can get that. Uh, we also have uh, our annual cancer support and prevention course coming up at uh, also michaelgated.com. And I just run this once a year. It's about increasing your cancer resistance. We do talk about vaccines a bit in this course. Uh, and, uh, and it's coming up just starting in two weeks, uh, this annual course. So cancercourse.com. There's also practitioner trainings in functional medicine uh, mm -hmm. there for any health professional who's more naturally oriented. There's uh, clinical trainings there. And that's what I do kind of full time. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, so yeah. And then also I do a free weekly webinar on the immune system and telling the truth about the COVID situation and how people, what people can do to uh, stay healthy. Wonderful. And preserve their liberty. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you everybody for tuning in. Find Michael Gaeta, G-A-E-T-A, and go to healthimmunitynow.org for treatment protocols, informedchoicewa.org for all sorts of information. And remember to vote like your medical freedom is at stake Absolutely. because it is. Thank you everybody and have a great weekend. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's healthyimmunitynow.org. Thank you,